Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. You are our God, you're our Savior, you're our Lord. You are our comfort and our helper when we're having trouble, when we're distressed. And God, I just pray this morning that through your Holy Spirit, you would work through your word in the lives of your people. God, help us to understand what your word says, help us to believe it, help us to obey it, and help us to be able to teach it to others as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said at the beginning, this Christmas season, we're looking at some of the lesser-known stories of Christmas, some of the lesser-known stories of Christmas. And in that passage that I read a few minutes ago, you can look back there with me if you'd like. In Isaiah chapter 40, God is, again, he's speaking to his people who are enslaved, who have lost loved ones, who have been exiled from their homes, who have experienced an incredible amount of trauma. And he says, comfort, comfort to my people. And not only does he say, hey, be comforted. How empty would that be? Right? If he said, hey, I, I hope you feel better. Get well soon. That's not what he does. He says, prepare the way for the Lord. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So what God is saying is not just, oh, I hope you feel better. Let me know if you need anything. What he's saying is, I see you. I hear you, I know what you're going through, and I am personally coming to comfort you. But what's interesting is all four of the gospel accounts, all four of the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote down the four eyewitness accounts of, God, of, of Jesus' life, all four of them, they look back at this passage in Isaiah 40, and they connected to John the Baptist. And what they see in this passage is that when, when God says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, not only is God saying that he's going to come, he's saying that he's going to send a prophet, a powerful prophet, a strong prophet, that's going to be like a voice crying in the wilderness, that's going to come and prepare the way for God so that God's people can be ready to receive him. And all four of the gospel accounts say that this right here is talking about John the Baptist. And here's what I want to do today. This is going to be a little bit different, but for those of you that are note takers, uh, my outline is, is two points. And the first one's going to be really long, and the second one's going to be really short, okay? All I want to do today is I just want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story that the gospel of Luke records in Luke chapter 1, about that voice that was crying in the wilderness. I want to tell you the story that maybe you haven't heard before or maybe you're a little bit less familiar with about the birth of John the Baptist who was to become that voice that was crying in the wilderness. So I want to tell you that story and then at the very end, we'll just spend a couple minutes circling back around and talking about how what we see about the character of God in this story, what that says to, to you and to me as we go through this Christmas season 
and as we are seeking God to, to comfort us. Sound good? Okay, well, put on your time-traveling hats. Um, fast forward with me about 600 years. So 600 years before the birth of Christ, God promises he's going to come and he's going to comfort his people, but before he does, he's going to send that prophet, the voice crying in the wilderness. So 600 years later, fast forward with me there, and zoom in with me to a little podunk village on a hillside in the mountainous area outside of Jerusalem. And zoom in a little bit further and look with me at this one house, this one home of this couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zachariah's name, which I don't think is a coincidence, Zachariah's name is literally God remembers. Zachariah, Yahweh remembers. And what's funny is that it was a little bit ironic back then because a lot of people thought that God had forgotten. I mean, 600 years ago, God had promised he was going to come and he was going to comfort and restore and heal his people. What was going on in your family 600 years ago? Anybody remember? We tend to forget about things that happened 50 years ago, let alone 600 years ago. It's been 600 years since God made that promise. And the people, they feel like they're not really any better off than they were back then. In fact, it's been 400 years. Not only has God not come to comfort them, it's been 400 years since they've even had a prophet from God come and speak to them. And so some of the people are thinking, you know, gosh, I mean, all those stories that we heard from great, 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 great Grandpa Isaiah, I mean, those are, those are nice and inspiring and good for, for greeting cards and Christmas cards and stuff like that, but I don't think he's coming. Maybe they're just that. Maybe they're just stories. Maybe we need to kind of figure out what we're going to do without just waiting for God to come. And so some have started to do that. Some have started to take matters into their own hands and try to uh, gain their freedom from the Roman Empire, which was oppressing them at the time, through, through violence and through physical force. And there are other people that just kind of forgot about God. And they said, I mean, if there is a God, he must have forgotten about us. If there is a God, he probably doesn't really care. He's probably got better things to do. A lot of people have forgotten. But not Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were faithful. They remembered God's promises. They believed that God was going to do what he said he would do. And while they were waiting, they were obeying God. Now, two things you need to know about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Number one, okay, and this is very important. Number one, they were old, okay? Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. Um, let me put it this way. If they lived in Cary, North Carolina in 2022, good chance they lived in the Carolina Preserve. Okay? Um, they, a good chance they were in a 55-plus active living community. Okay? Um, they, were, they, they, were, they, they were beyond their childbearing years. All right? And, you know, they'd had a, a long life, but they'd also kind of had a sad life. One of the reasons was that they had never been able to have children. You know, Elizabeth, like so many other uh, young women, when she got married, she dreamed about having a family. 
She dreamed about having children. She dreamed about having grandchildren. But for 60, 70, however many years, she wasn't able to have a baby. I know some of you have struggled with infertility and you know how painful that is. Well, that's the first thing about Zachariah and Elizabeth is that they, they were old and they couldn't have children even though they wanted to for a very long time. The second thing you need to know about Zachariah and Elizabeth is that Zachariah was a priest. Now, he wasn't a very important priest. He wasn't a high priest. He was one of about 7,000 priests who took turns serving in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, one of the things that the priest would do, Zechariah was a part of a cohort of about 300 or so pre- priests, and every, two, every year they would go to Jerusalem to serve in the temple for two weeks. Every year they'd travel from their hometown to the temple to take their shift to serve in the temple for two weeks. It was like their Super Bowl. Like they thought about this all year. They got everything ready for this. Now, when they got to Jerusalem, one of the things that they would do is they would draw names. Say, well, why are they drawing names? They would draw names because out of the 300 or so priests that were in their little priest platoon or priest cohort, only one person would be chosen for the honor of getting to be the one person that would get to go in during that two-week period to burn incense within the temple in the holy place before the Lord. So they're drawing names, and guess whose name gets chosen? Zechariah. So Zechariah, you know, he's, this is the, if, if this is like the Super Bowl for all of those priests, this is like having the chance to kick the game-winning field goal in the Super Bowl. This is what he's waited his entire life for. He puts on his best clothes. He's getting ready. I mean, he's so excited. And Zechariah, you know, he's, he's got his, the stuff that he uses to burn incense, and he, and he walks in, he walks into the, to the temple, he walks into the holy place, he sees the bread of the presence, and he sees the, the lampstand, and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, because Zechariah, he saw an angel, there was, a, there was an angel that appeared to Zechariah right there on the side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was afraid. And he was afraid, and, but the angel said, Zechariah, don't be afraid. I have good news for you. Your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been heard. All those years that you spent praying, asking God for a child, God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to get pregnant, and she's going to give birth to a son, and you'll name that son John. Now, don't give him any strong drink. Don't give him any wine, any liquor. Trust me, this guy's going to be plenty crazy on his own. Because from the time he's in his mother's womb, he's going to be filled with the Spirit of God. And he is going to be the one. This is going to be the prophet that Isaiah talked about all those years before that's going to prepare the way for God to come and comfort his people. Well, that's a lot to hear. Zechariah says, well, you know, I mean, that sounds really good and stuff, but I don't know if you know this, I'm old. I live in Carolina Preserve. 
It's an active living community, but it ain't that active, if you know what I mean. I, I think you might have the wrong guy. I, I don't know if this is really, I, don't, I, don't, I think you might, you might have messed something up here. How is this really going to happen? Now, Gabriel says, okay, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And God sent me to come tell you that this was going to happen. So you better believe this is going to happen because God said it and he doesn't make mistakes. But you know what? Because you didn't believe, this is what's going to happen. Until God's words here are fulfilled, you're not going to be able to talk. You're going to be silent until you see that God is going to do this thing that he promised. And Zechariah says, and he can't talk. Now, remember, Zechariah was one of many priests that was serving in the temple, and there was actually a whole crowd of people that would gather around the temple courtyard to wait for Zechariah to come out and see if he would bless them or if he would pray or whatever he would share with them. There's this huge crowd of people, hundreds and hundreds of people, that are waiting in the courtyards of the temple for Zechariah to come out. And they're like, where? I mean, where is he? It usually doesn't take this long. Zechariah kind of comes out. And he said, Zechariah, what happened? What took you so long? And he's like, and they're like, what, what? Speak up. We can't hear you. And he said, and he makes these hand gestures and they said, oh, I know. He must have had a vision and now he's not able to talk. And Zachariah says, that's right. So all these things happen, and, you know, this wasn't the type of thing that usually happened around there, and so it was a big deal. But after a couple of weeks, Zachariah's term of serving in the temple, it ends, and he goes back home. But guess what happened? His wife Elizabeth, she gets pregnant. After all those years of wanting to have a baby, feeling all of the emotions of, of, of shame and, and jealousy and all those types of things, God allowed her to have a baby. Now, fast forward about five months, about six months. Now, by this point, Elizabeth is in her third trimester. You know, at first, she didn't really want too many people to know. I mean, I, I, after all, she's very advanced in years. And I mean, it, who would believe that she was actually pregnant? I don't know if maybe she had some, she had some false alarms before or some or, or, some, or, or some, some miscarriages before, and so she doesn't want people to get their hopes up, especially since she's so old, and this is so unusual for somebody so old to be able to, to have a baby. But at first, she kind of keeps it quiet, but by the third trimester, she's showing, and you can't hide that anymore. Now, one day in the third trimester, one of Elizabeth's relatives, a young woman named Mary, who had just barely entered her childbearing years, a young teenager, who happened to be a relative of Elizabeth's. She comes to visit her relative. Now Mary, some of you might have heard, Mary had had her own miraculous encounter with the angel Gabriel. And she'd had her own even more miraculous conception. And so Mary ha has a whole story of her own, but that's a, st a different story for a different time. 
But the important thing is, when Mary comes into Elizabeth's house, she goes and visits her out in the hill country next to Jerusalem, and she comes in and she greets her. She says, hi, Elizabeth. And when she did that, it was like the baby inside of Elizabeth just wept, just started jumping up and down. Not just the little kick, he started going crazy. Do y'all remember the Doritos commercial a few years ago? Do y'all remember that for the Super Bowl, where it's like the, they're doing the ultrasound, and the dad's got the, the bag of Doritos, and the, ba- the baby sees it, he's like, oh, over here, Doritos, and moves it over here, ah, oh, bag of Doritos, and the wife's just kind of, you know, like really uncomfortable. That's kind of what it was like. It, he was, it wasn't just a little kick. He was, it, it was almost as if he couldn't wait to come and bow down on his knees to worship the baby that Mary was carrying. And Elizabeth, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said to Mary, she said, Mary, out of all of the women in the whole world, God has blessed you. And out of all the children in the world, God has blessed the child that you are carrying. And then this happened, and this is amazing, especially for that culture. This, you know, 60, 70-plus-year-old woman, she says to this little whippersnapper teenager, she says, who am I to be worthy that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? So Mary stays with Elizabeth for a couple months, and about the time that Elizabeth is due to give birth, Mary goes back home. Now, at this point, it's about nine months, and it's time for Elizabeth to give birth. And by this point, all of her friends and relatives and neighbors, they're getting excited. They're celebrating with her. They're having baby showers for her. They're giving her diapers. They're doing all that type of stuff that they did back then. And her baby's born. Her baby's born. Now, they were very excited, but they had a tradition back then. On the eighth day after a baby is born, they would take the baby and circumcise him, and also give him his name. Now, remember, at this point, Zechariah, you know, the guy who, ah, and then the angel, and then all that stuff, can't talk, he hasn't been able to talk for nine months. I wonder what that was like for him. He probably had a lot of time to do a lot of thinking, didn't he? Next time, I'll listen to what that angel says. And I wonder what was going through his mind when he goes home and his wife actually gets pregnant, And then when Mary comes, and then Elizabeth says that to Mary, he must be thinking, what is going on? But they're taking the child to name him. And it was their tradition back then to name the child after family names, usually after the name of the father. And so as they're presenting the the child, old Zachariah, he's back there, you know, he he can't talk, he's mute. And so some of the relatives, they say, well, I mean, of course we're going to name him Zachariah, right? And Elizabeth says, no, and kind of looks at her husband and says, no, I think we're going to call him John. And the relatives say, John, you don't have anybody in your family named John. Why are you going to name him John? And they look at Zachariah, and Zachariah, he kind of gets his little tablet, probably not quite as advanced as our tablets today, but he is his little writing pad, and he writes down on it. And he shows them, and it says, his name is John. 
And at that moment that Zechariah, in obedience to what that angel said way back then, that you will have this child and you'll name him John, at that moment, Zechariah's tongue was loosened. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was able to talk. And for the first time in over 400 years, prophecy was spoken to God's people. Not yet through John, this time through Zechariah, his father. And Zechariah praised God and he said, praise God because after all of these years of waiting, after all of these years of praying, God is finally making good on his promise to come and comfort his people. And then he says to the, his son, he says to, the, to his newborn child, he says, and you, my son, you're going to be that prophet that Isaiah was talking about. You're going to go before the Lord and prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah said, it's almost, as like, it's almost as if we've been sitting in darkness this long night that lasted for hundreds of years. And finally, we're starting to see the sunrise. Because after all these years, God is making good on his promise to come to, to visit, and to comfort his people. Well, that's the story of the birth of John the Baptist. What does this mean for you and for me as we think about ways that we need God or we want God to comfort us this Christmas season? You know, I started off by talking about 600 years before the birth of Christ when God's people, when they first got this promise of God's going to come and comfort you. They were enslaved. Many of their loved ones had been killed. All of their possessions had been taken away. They were exiled from their home. How about you? How do you need God to comfort you this morning? Maybe you're not enslaved officially, but it feels that way sometimes because of the way your boss treats you. Maybe you haven't had Babylonian soldiers with swords bust down your door, but you might have lost loved ones recently. Maybe you haven't been exiled from your home country like the Israelite people had, but maybe you feel that you have never been further from home than you are right now. Maybe you're like Zachariah and Elizabeth. Maybe you're struggling with ways in which you're, this body that God's given you is just not working the way that you want it to. It's not working the way it was designed to work. Maybe you're struggling with sickness. Maybe you struggle with infertility. Maybe you have something going on that you just can't nail down, but it affects your health and it affects your life in a lot of different ways. Maybe you think about Christmas, and when you think about getting together with family, like Elizabeth, your dream of what your family would be like feels like 
it's not even close. Maybe you are thinking about estranged family members. Maybe there's people that you've been praying for for years and years and years and years, just like Elizabeth prayed for years and years and years, and they still haven't come to know Christ. Maybe you just look around and you say, is God still working among us? Maybe you look at our country today and you see people leaving their faith just by the, by the thousands and the hundreds of thousands. And you say, God, have you forgotten us? Are you still working? Were all those promises that you made about sending your son, about giving us your spirit, about eternal life, about working through us to make disciples of all nations, was that just a fairy tale? Sometimes you're going to feel like God has forgotten you, just like so many people back then, right before the birth of Jesus, must have felt. And here's the message of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. If you're struggling with family situations, God has not forgotten you. If you've been praying for a particular person to come to know Jesus for a long time, and it seems like nothing has happened, God has not forgotten you. If you have a, a family situation, if you have a marriage crisis, that it feels like you just keep working and working and working and it's just so hard to make progress, God has not forgotten you. If you look around and you just see so many people around in our culture that just want nothing to do with God anymore, that just completely reject a biblical worldview, want nothing to do with that. And you think, is God still working? God has not forgotten you. And he has not forgotten us. In fact, the truth is, John the Baptist did prepare the way for Jesus. He did prepare the way for the Lord. And Jesus who was God in a body, he did come. And he comforted, he comforted us not just by standing up here and saying, oh, you get well soon, but by getting sick, just like we get sick, getting tired, just like we get tired, by having conflict in his family, just like we have conflict in our family, by seeing plans that he made and people that he trusted blow up in his face, just like we do. He experienced all of the sorrows that we do. So if there's anybody that's able to comfort us the way we really need to be comforted, it's Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, and he rose again from the dead. And listen to this, he sends his spirit. He sends the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, into each and, every one, each and every single one of us 
that are disciples of Jesus. Do you know what Jesus calls his spirit in John 14? It's a word that, in Greek, it's the paraclete. One of the ways it can be translated is the comforter. And so for you this Christmas season, whatever it is that you're going through, know that if you're a disciple of Jesus, Jesus is with you through his spirit every single moment of every single day to comfort you, to guide you, to empower you, to give you wisdom, and to give you strength. But there's another sense in which we're really just like Zachariah and Elizabeth. It's 2,000 years later, but just like the people back then were waiting on a promise, waiting on God to fulfill a promise that he made hundreds of years before, so are we. Because Jesus didn't just come so that we could have our sins forgiven and so that we could have his spirit. He came to transform the world, to renew heaven and earth, to give us a new home, to renew God's people and to live with us forever. And that's why at the end of Jesus, at the end of Jesus' time on the earth, he promised that he would come back. How often do we feel just like so many of the Jews in the first century, around zero AD, they wouldn't have called it that, but zero AD would have felt? When is he gonna come back? Look how long it's been. Are these stories even true? Are these just fairy tales? Let's let this story of Zachariah and Elizabeth, of God fulfilling his promise after centuries, be encouragement to us. As we, this Christmas season, let's not look just to comfort food and comfort entertainment or distracting ourselves with a bunch of activities. Let's spend some time this Christmas season communing with the comforter and looking forward to the return of Jesus where he's going to once and for all wipe away every tear from every eye. Let's pray. God, we thank you for coming. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we believe that even when it feels like you've forgotten us, you haven't. God, I pray for each and every single one of my brothers and sisters in this room, especially those that need to be comforted right now. Would you give them faith? Would you give them hope? Would you give them joy? Would you, through your presence right now, comfort them? We pray you would come back soon, Jesus, to put everything right the way you designed it to be. And until that day, help us to wait faithfully and to keep following you. In Jesus' name, amen.